Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Um, let, me, let me pray as we go into the last week of our series, We Are Redemption. Um, Father, we uh, come to you to, to give this over to you, everything, all of this, all of who we are, all of who this church is, all of, all of who we can individually become in 2021 and, and everything that this church can become in 2021. Lord, we consecrate it to you. We give it over to you. Lord, we know that, that when we give you the things that you've already given us, you can do much more than we could ever do if we kept those things to ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take the gifts, not just financial, but our time and our talents, our energy, all these things. I pray that you would take those things and that you would multiply them for your kingdom growth. Lord, I pray that you would continue throughout this series and the rest of this year, that you would help us understand that, that, that this church isn't about us, that this life isn't about us. It's all about helping others come to know you. And, uh, and Father, I pray that you would get glory today. And it's all these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, um, this, like I said, is the last week in our series, We Are Redemption. And we specifically want to, throughout the series, we specifically want to look at uh, the, the things that Jesus has called us uh, to do and the ways that he's called us to live. And uh, specifically at Redemption, how do we see that? So how, how does it kind of, you know, um, uh, translate into this church? Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to start off on a, on a real, like, you know, exciting note. Um, uh, I remember back in 1999 uh, when a terrible tragedy happened in our country, and it was the tragedy of the Columbine shooting. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's, um, it was a school shooting that, that happened in uh, Colorado. And unfortunately, uh, it became kind of a precedent that um, for years to come, uh, there were people that would do heinous acts, and they would reference this point in time and this moment. Uh, out of the ashes of this tragedy, there were two stories that kind of rose, and those two stories were uh, two students who were asked by the shooters, Eric and Dylan, um, these two students were asked the same question. The question was, do you believe in Jesus? And with their answer, as you can imagine, they sealed their fate. Um, I was 13 years old when I read uh, the, the book uh, called She Said Yes, and it, it's the, uh, the uh, tagline is the unlikely martyrdom of Cassie Bernal. Um, and so, I, yeah, I was 13, and I was 12 when it happened, by the way. I know I just dated myself, but I was 12 years old. Some of you are like, man, I remember when I was, like, in my work or when I was, like, in college. Yeah, I was in uh, Mrs. Miller's class uh, at 12 years old. But I was 13 when I read this book. She said yes. And, uh, and in that book, um, it, it kind of talks about her story in this moment um, that she says yes and, you know, the, the um, kind of the, the events that happened right after that. Now, what's crazy about this moment in time is the church started to ask this question over and over and over again. 
they asked it through sermons. They asked it through, uh, through, through, through you know, kind of like Christian magazines and, and periodicals. And they asked it through magazines, um, uh, n- not just Christian magazines, but, you know, but, but all around the world. But what's interesting about this is um, as they asked this question, um, people started answering it. And I believe there's a precursor to the question. I believe that there's a step that Christian America missed during that time. And we're going to get to that. Um, So I'm just going to let this question linger. And the question, again, is, uh, do you believe in Jesus? And if you were were right there in the moment, uh, as the pastors would ask for for a year or more, uh, how would you answer? How would you answer, do you believe in Jesus? Today we're going to turn in our Bibles uh, to the same place. That's how we start here at Redemption. We're going to go to uh, the table of contents. So you can take out your Bibles digitally or physically. Let's go to the table of contents. And we're going to be going to the book of John. So that's going to be in the New Testament there. It's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to go to John chapter 13. All right. So Jesus, uh, I'll give you some some uh, backstory here. Jesus is, is about to be handed over. He, he's going to be tried again before a kangaroo court. The whole thing was, was basically a false court. And, um, and Jesus, uh, he's, he's getting ready to be handed over, but he just uh, had dinner with his disciples. He's in the upper room. Um, and just before that, he washed his disciples' feet. So this is all in this chapter, okay? So he washes his disciples' feet. He has dinner with them. Judas, the betrayer, just left the room. He just walked out. And then Jesus, he gives his disciples this commandment, right? He says um, that, 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 we, that we, the, the disciples, and then we believers, we should love others just as Jesus loved them. And, and we, we talked about that in week one. Remember that? Okay, week one. All right, so then what happens next? This is John chapter 13, verse 36. Okay, it says, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? All right, Simon Peter. You guys remember that guy? Simon Peter? Uh, Peter, uh, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Specifically, he was in the core three. So if you don't know this, there were 12 disciples. Uh, one of them was Judas. He kind of, right, he's, he's out um, basically at this point on. Um, but there's, you know, 11 of these disciples and, and, and at this point. And then there's three internal disciples, very, very close, that Jesus spent a lot of time with, okay? And so Peter is one of those, one of those disciples. Now, here it says Simon. And, and understand that when we first meet Peter, his name is very clearly Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah. Now, in, in 2021, names don't mean a whole lot. Moms, I'm sorry. Like, I know you think it was, it was the biggest thing in the world to name your child. Uh, for some of you with four and five kids, by the end, you were just like, okay, Nick is fine. I don't care, you know? Uh, but, but, but I think, like, for so many of you, you know, like, you labor over that name. It's, they're going to have it the rest of their life, right? And that's true, but, but, but names don't mean what they did uh, or names don't mean today what they did in first century Galilee. They meant a lot in first century Galilee. So what does Simon Barjona mean? Well, Simon means read-like or wavering. It means read-like or wavering. And Barjona uh, means son of Jonas, but Jonas translates as wine-bibber. And so when we look at the, 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 the translation of Simon's name, Simon Barjona, 
It quite literally means the unstable son of an alcoholic. That's who, that's who Simon Barjona was. He was the unstable son of an alcoholic. And then what happens is Jesus comes along, and Jesus gives him a new name and a new identity, and he's no longer the unstable son of an alcoholic, but now he's known as Rock, right? Uh, Jesus gives him the name Cephas, and Cephas means, translates to Peter, and that means Rock. And Jesus gives him a new name and a new identity, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but maybe, maybe without Jesus, you are nothing more than an unstable son of an alcoholic, truly. And maybe without Jesus, uh, you, you are a weak and lazy daughter of a serial cheater. Maybe without Jesus, you're, you're, you're the son of a gossiping workaholic. I don't know who you are without Jesus, but I know this, that all throughout Scripture, Jesus gives people a new name, a new identity, and a new destiny. And whatever God is doing in your life right now, the fact that you're here, when it's five degrees outside, by the way, uh, most of our stuff isn't out. Um, those online, you're like, yeah, don't care. Those in person, a lot of our stuff's not out. You know why? Because my tailgate is frozen. Yeah, it's completely frozen. We can't get into it. And so all the stuff, it's like, it's in there. Uh, we can't get it out. Uh, we tried WD-40. Uh, we tried a space heater. We tried boiling water, okay? Uh, that was our, by the way, that was our last ditch effort because at that point, you know, the water's just gonna freeze, which it did pretty quickly. It's five degrees outside. But the fact of the matter is, you're here. When it's five degrees outside, it's Valentine's Day, um, and you're here. And so I just wanna say thank you so much for coming here, but, but the reality is that you know that you wanna be with Jesus. Whatever your identity is without Jesus, maybe it's unstable son of an alcoholic, but whatever it is, you know that you don't want that. But you want a new name, a new identity, and a new destiny. And so for those of you that are here in person and online, welcome. We're glad you're here, and I believe that Jesus can give you that. A new name, a new identity, and a new destiny. Okay, so Rock, Peter, he asks, Jesus, where are you going? Uh, John 13, we're going to pick back up in the end of verse 36. And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. You will deny three times that you even know me. See, we have a Peter prognosis, right? We have this Peter prognosis. We often let our heart do the talking before our mind does the thinking. And what ends up happening is we say things that we don't really mean, or, or we say things that we didn't really count the costs when we said them, right? And do you hear how Jesus responds here? He says, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, I think what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, you, you can't get to dying for me if you don't first stop denying me. Peter, you, you can't get to dying for me if you don't first stop denying me. Jesus says, die for me, Peter. I tell you the truth. Tomorrow morning before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, I think what Peter is saying is this. Die for me. Peter, are you even living for me? And I think the question, going back to Columbine, I think the question that 
I remember hearing as a 13-year-old, as a 12 and 13-year-old, I remember hearing pastors just ask this like rote and dead question. And the question again, like, how would you respond? Would you say that you believe in Jesus? And I remember sitting there thinking like, man, are, are we even living for Jesus? Right? Like, that's the question we have to ask. I think sometimes we, we'll say at the end of the day, like, dying, yeah, I could die for someone. That's, oh, it's easy, right? Because <laughs> what are the odds that's going to happen, that, you know, that's going to happen to you? Yeah. But then come Monday morning, actually living for Jesus, that's where it gets hard. You know, we, we say, Jesus, I'll die for you, but our calendars don't show that we're living for him, right? Jesus, I'll die for you, but our bank accounts rarely show that we're living for him. Uh, Jesus, I'll die for you, but our, our work habits don't show that we're living for him. And Jesus, I'll die for you, but all of our extra time, right, um, doesn't show that we're living for him. Jesus, I'll die, I will die for you, Jesus. But the fact that many of us, we haven't picked up our Bible in months or more than a year, the question we have to ask is, Jesus, are we living for you? And Jesus, I'll die for you. But the fact that many of us have not told someone else about Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, what does it really mean to live for Jesus? If I'm really going to live for Jesus, what does it mean to live for him? And so today, that's what we're going to look, uh, look at. And for the rest of our time, we're going to look at uh, living for Jesus. And we're going to answer this question, what does it mean to live for Jesus? And this is a very, very important question for you to ask yourself. Because what happens in America, we'll talk about this, we, we, we've, we've turned uh, Christianity into an event that you attend rather than a life that you live. You see? We've turned it into an event that you attend rather than a life that you live. Um, this past weekend, uh, half of our staff, um, and you know, my, myself obviously was there, but we were at a conference in Minnesota. And, uh, and so we were so excited to go to a place that's much colder than it was here. Oh, we were so excited. Uh, Graham kept saying, why can't this thing be in Orlando? Um, and it's because we were, we were actually specifically studying a church um, that is doing incredible things in Minnesota, and, uh, and they happen to be in Minnesota. It was negative 25 degrees. The actual temperature, was, it was just crazy. And uh, the, the actual like, wind chill was like negative 32 or something like that. Well, we got into the car on Sunday morning, and my wife was like, are you kidding me? The inside of the car is frozen. And it had iced over all of the, all of the lights, like the, you know, the hood lights and all this stuff. Everything had ice just all over it. And uh, anyway, she was like, this is too much. We need to get out of here. Um, I was glad it was the last day, because if it wasn't, I, might, I, I honestly might have had to have flown her home early. Um, but anyway, we, we learned so much there that's going to really change our ministry here. And, and the way that it's going to change our ministry is not that our ministry physically is going to change. The way it's going to change our ministry is the way that we communicate. Um, one of the things, I, I, I just want to report this, um, and this is, not, this is not a pat on my back. Uh, this is a pat on our back, our culture. It, it's a pat on our, um, you know, our staff's back. When we were there, probably 75% of the things that we learned from this church that is, it, I'm telling you, it's an amazing church. I'll tell you more about you know, the, the church and what they've taught us later, but um, probably 75% of the things that we learned there, we were like, okay. Yeah, we're doing that. Great. Awesome. But it was the 25% 
that really opened up these highways of thinking in our mind. And we're like, yeah, like that's exactly how we get from point A to point B. I don't know if you've ever had those like eureka moments, you know, but that was kind of the moment that we had. So anyway, it was incredible. While we were there, we uh, saw this diagram, and we're going to show you this diagram. There are these four circles. And uh, this is going to help us define spiritual maturity here at Redemption. Um, and before we even get into this diagram, I just want to say this. That I, two things. One, I believe that every single person in this room falls into one of these four circles. So as we're going along, be thinking, which circle am I in? Okay? Like, really consider, which one am I in? And, 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 and listen, uh, Peter prognosis, right? Peter lets his heart do the, do the talking before he lets his head do the thinking. Don't be Peter in this moment. Um, be doubting Thomas, <laughs> Take inventory of your life, even doubt yourself and go, wait a minute. I'm not going to just let my heart go, yeah, I'm in that one. Yep, uh uh-huh, I think I'm in that one. No, no. Like, take inventory, personal inventory of your life, and which one are you in? Okay, so that's number one. But number two, what I want to say is this. Whatever circle you're in, (laughs) you're welcome here. You are welcome at redemption. It doesn't matter if you're in circle one, two, three, or four. You're welcome here because this is a church that you can belong before you believe. You don't have to believe like I do. You don't have to act like I do to belong here. You don't have to believe like our staff does or act like our staff does to belong here. This is a church that you can belong before you believe. Okay, here we go. Uh, The first circle is the exploring circle. And I'm going to take a drink of water. Mm. I had coffee late in the day. Bad. Okay. Uh, Explorer. Okay, so this is the exploring circle. Um, This first circle here, the exploring circle, is, is, is really, it's reserved for those who are looking for Jesus, but you would say, hey, right now, I haven't found him. I'm not following him. I'm, I'm not a disciple of Jesus, but I'm exploring. I'm checking him out. And I think for those of you that are online, a lot of you, you've probably joined this church and several others, and, and you've considered, hey, what does it look like for me to uncover and unpack, um, you know, the, the, the truths of Jesus? And maybe you're just exploring. And for some of you that are here tonight, maybe you're just exploring. And again, this is a church you can belong before you believe. And so if that's you, if you're here just exploring, welcome. We're glad you're here. Okay, keep coming back. Um, don't, don't be deterred from, from coming. So the explorer circle, that's, that's number one. Okay, um, and, and let me say again, uh, for those of you that are listening to this, if, if you're here in person, if you're online, or um, for those of you that are tuning in to the podcast that, that literally this happens, if you're tuning into the podcast uh, weeks later or whatever, the fact that you're listening to this content right now shows that you believe that the church and that God has something for you, right? Okay, so the exploring circle. The second circle here, um, uh, the second circle that we go to is the new believer circle. Now, before we get to the new believer circle, something has to happen, Something has to take place. We don't just go from the explorer circle to the new believer circle with no event in our life. And the thing that happens uh, is a death. There's a cross in the middle of the explorer and the new believer circle. And so this cross here is known as the death to sin. And on this cross, you don't die. See, the beauty of Christianity is this, that that no matter how bad you are, no matter how imperfect you are, the fact is that Jesus died on a cross for you. He was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave so that he could restore a right relationship with you, right? Like, that is Christianity. And there's nothing that you can start or stop in order to receive this salvation. 
There's nothing that you can do or not do in order to receive this salvation. Again, in, in church, I said this a couple weeks ago, but we have reduced Christianity to a list of things that we should not do right? Don't sin. And, and if you're good enough, then maybe you can make it to heaven. But here's the reality. The reality is this isn't a process of becoming moral. It's not a process of becoming more good. It's a process of becoming alive. See, you, th th this, this whole process, the, the problem is not that you're bad and you need to be made good, but the process, the, 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 the power of it is that you're dead in your sins and you need to be made alive in Christ. And so Jesus, he comes and he dies on a cross so that those who are exploring him can become believers of him and live their life for him. And here's the other thing. It's not a game. Like we, listen, I think so many of you are going to relate to this, but, um, but we have turned Christianity into a game. If, if I have enough points, then I'm going to make it into heaven, Right? It's like God gamified life, and like we just have to subject you know, ourselves to the rules of the game. Um, it's not about having enough points, or it's not about also, it's not about having more points than the next person, right? See, it's, it's not a game that you can win or lose, but it's a gift that some people receive and some people refuse. Salvation is not a game, it's a gift, and we can't get that wrong. And so this gift comes through the blood of Jesus. Um, it's by Jesus' blood. It's by his sacrifice on the cross that we enter into the new believer circle. And that's why every single week when we take communion, uh, we, we literally reiterate the words of Jesus. He says, this is the blood of my new covenant spilled for you, given for you. What Jesus is saying here is that it's a gift. It's not a game. It's a gift. So this is what happens on the cross. And this is the gospel. And so those, uh, they, they go from the explorer circle to the new believer circle, and they do it uh, because of death to sin. The third circle is the growing circle. It's the growing circle. And, uh, and this is a great circle to be in. For those of you who have just accepted Christ, like, like I pray that you go to the new believing, or, or you go to the grower circle. Now, the new believer circle, it's, it's those people who are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to believe in Jesus, uh, and I'm just going to enter heaven by the skin of my teeth. Like, literally, like, there, there's a hole on the seat of my pants because the, the flames of hell had touched it, right? And the skin of my teeth got me in Here we go. Like, I'm, 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 in, I'm in heaven, right? I prayed a prayer, and I, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I believe, but I didn't really live my life a whole lot like Jesus and whatever, okay? Um, most people aren't in the new believer circle. The most people, they get, to, they get to faith, and they go, you know what? I, I want to know more about Jesus. I, I want to I get closer to Jesus, and this is the grower circle. It's an incredible circle. Um, okay, but then there's the fourth circle, and the fourth circle is the Christ-centered circle. Now, listen, um, to go from the grower circle to the Christ-centered circle, there's a second death. There's a second cross. And this cross, this death, is not one that Jesus dies on, but it's one that you have to proverbially die on. It's the death to self. The death to sin is the one that Jesus died, right? Like that, that cross on the left 
That's the one that Jesus died on. And as you, or as, as you um, say yes to salvation, that opens you up to those three circles on the right. But the reality is that um, the third circle, the growing circle, that's the Christian that makes their life all about them, okay? The fourth circle, the Christ-centered circle, is the Christian that makes their life all about others. And they have to die to themselves. If you really want to get churchy with it, um, the, the death to sin, the one on the left, uh, that's justification. And then the death to self on the right, that's sanctification, okay? If you really want to get churchy with it. Now, here's the deal. The grower circle, the people in the grower circle, they go, hey, listen, uh, Lord, I'm going to receive your love, grace, and your blessing, and it's going to become a cul-de-sac in my life. It's just going to kind of sit there. Like, I love cul-de-sacs. You guys love cul-de-sacs? Who lives on a cul-de-sac? Raise your hand if you live on a cul-de-sac. Okay, a couple of you. Why do we choose cul-de-sacs? We choose cul-de-sacs. Why? Because they're safe. Because they're safe. That's why we choose them. We choose them because they're safe for our kids, right? They're safe for me. They're safe for my family. They're safe. We love cul-de-sacs. Uh, man, um, you know, I love, I love when I drive down a cul-de-sac and I see a hoop, basketball hoop at the end, right? Or like a hockey, you know, hockey net. Man, it's so cool. All the kids, they get together, and it's kind of this, like, you know, neighborhood kumbaya. Now, if someone else from, like, other neighborhoods just came over and used our cul-de-sac, that's probably not good, right? Like, that's not going to fare well with the uh, HOA. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be point number one on next month's bulletin. We're going to talk about this because... Somebody's been using our cul-de-sac, right? Because what happens is, in that third circle, we make it a cul-de-sac. God's love, grace, and blessing becomes a cul-de-sac in our life. And yes, we want to read the Bible. Yes, we want to pray. Yes, we want to go to church. But it's all about what God's going to do to me. And for us to get to the fourth circle, uh, we have to go, God, not, not, not only like, what do you want to do to me, but Lord, what do you want to do through me? And all of a sudden, it's not about this cul-de-sac but it's actually about a thoroughfare. It becomes a highway. And here's the reality. The reality is, uh, parents in here, how many of you are like, man, I really want to buy a house on a highway? We just don't say that, do we? Like, property value? Oh, why, why, <laughs> why are there crazy, like, there's a crazy contest uh, against, you know, the state when they, uh, um, they want to run a highway through your cul-de-sac. They want to trans... You know, or, or, or change your, you know, change your, your cul-de-sac into a highway. Like, why do people freak out about that? Because property values are going to go down, and my kid might literally jump the fence and get run, you know, uh, ran over. And so we, we don't like highways, but here's the deal. In Christianity, when we're in that third circle and we're growing in spirituality, all of it's just about me. God's love, grace, and blessing is a cul-de-sac in my life. Jesus is there going, no, 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 I need you to die to yourself. And I need you to not only make it about you, but I need, it, I need you to make it about them. In, in the grower circle, by the way, uh, the, the, the whole like, idea of, of God's house being a house of prayer, that's what scripture calls the, you know, the church and, and the temple calls them a house of prayer. Uh, instead of being a house of prayer, it becomes a house of preference. All of a sudden, um, you know, the sermon, it's like, hey, did it fill me? The, the worship music is like, hey, that was too fast or too slow for me, or it's too loud for me, or too soft for me. The graphics, they didn't connect with me. The temperature, it was too cold or too hot for me, right? And on and on and on. Instead of it being a house of prayer, it becomes a house of preference. Okay, listen, I'm going to save you some time. The church isn't about you. It's not about you. 
At Redemption, this is what we believe. We believe that the church is made up of Christ's followers and we exist for everyone not yet here. That the church is Christ's followers and we exist for everyone not yet here. This past week, I had this idea about Easter. It was an amazing idea. I don't care what anybody says. It was a killer idea. It was one of the best ideas I had, I thought. I pitched it to three or four people, my wife being one of them, and, uh, and you know what? They all shut it down. And they were like, as much as you love this idea, it's a bad idea, and it's not going to land well. And you know what I said? I said, that's okay, because the church isn't about me. If it's not going to land with our people, if it's not the right idea, then we don't do it, because the church isn't about me. This is your lead pastor saying this, and I promise you it will not be the last time. On a weekly basis, I will make decisions and go, you know what? It doesn't matter if I like it or I don't like it. Is it going to accomplish our mission? Is it going to accomplish what God has given us to do? Um, And when we talk about mission, the mission was here well before the church was here. I love that Ed Stetzer, he says this way, the church is sent on mission by Jesus. It's not that the church has a mission, but rather that the mission has a church. We join Jesus on his mission. You don't get to select what it is. You don't get to rewrite it. You don't get to decide that it's something different than what it already is. The mission is to seek and save the lost. The mission is to see those who are spiritually dead come alive in Christ. It's not about becoming good. You're bad. You need to become a good person. But it's because you're dead in your sins. You need to become alive in Christ. And the mission is the work to see those who don't yet know Jesus know him and live with him for eternity. That's the mission. That's the mission. And and we, we get to join Jesus on the mission that he gave to the church, right? And this is the Christ-centered circle. So in the Christ-centered circle, what does it look like? What does it look like to live in the Christ-centered circle? Ooh, that coffee, getting me. In the Christ-centered circle, um, you no longer make everything about you. Here in the circle, you're characterized by others. Your love, grace, and blessing becomes uh, this highway, this thoroughfare. In the Christ-centered circle, um, you trust God with your money. And at the end of the day, I know this. I know that the money that you give faithfully to this church and that gets to go out into the community and bless others, it's your second vacation money, right? Man, we could really do that like four-day weekend in, in, you know, the islands or Colorado or whatever, but I want to be faithful to God's calling, and I want to see what God will do with that money. I know that it's your new car money, um, but those who are in the Christ-centered circle, it's not about them. Um, in the Christ-centered circle, you frequently tell others about Jesus. And at the end of the day, you, you, you fear the outcome of their eternity without Jesus more than you fear the fallout, the relationship fallout between you and them. Because guys, listen, can, can I be like 100% straight with you on this, 100% honest? Um, sometimes I'm afraid to death to tell someone about Jesus. I really am. Um, that's why, just so you know, uh, when, when I hang out with people, I try to let them know in the first, like, time I hang out with them, like, hey, I got to sing at church on Sunday, you know? Even if, if they ask that I'm a pastor or not, I don't care. I just want to let, I, I let them know that I go to church. So that when I, when I bring it up and I start talking to them about Jesus, it's not, like, super awkward. Uh, we have a couple friends that, uh, you know, um, they, 
they, they don't go to church. They don't, they don't, they're not Christians. They, but we're really good friends with them. And the first time that we hung out with them, we ended up talking about the church for four hours. They had all these questions. It was great. Um, but still, I, I, I get, I get, get kind of queasy to tell people about Jesus sometimes because I just want friends. I do. I want friends. And, and, and I don't want relationship fallout, but I know this. I know that their eternity without Jesus is so much more painful than my Monday or Friday or Saturday without plans, you know? And so what do we fear more uh, in this category, the Christ-centered people? They fear others' eternity without Jesus. And this is the bottom line for today. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. Last week we said that saved people serve people. This week we say found people, find people. If, if you are in the, the, the Christ-centered circle, if you've been found by the love and the grace of Jesus, then you work to find other people and tell them about Jesus. In, uh, in the Christ-centered circle, you are, um, you're someone who you, you disciple other people. And I, again, that, those hours, that hour every week of those hours, it could be given to other things. It could be given to building earthly possessions and earthly kingdoms but you decide to give it away to see the kingdom of God grow. And let me say this. This is like, this isn't popular, okay? Hear me. Um, I get kind of queasy in moments like this. Because um, not, only, not only is it hard to tell others about Jesus, but sometimes it's hard to stand in front of your congregation and just speak truth. So, but here's, here's the truth. The truth is, um, and we, we can't miss this because it's like, it's really important to our identity as believers, and Jesus doesn't give us an opportunity to not act differently. Okay, here it is. Disciples make disciples. That's it. Disciples make disciples. And so if, if we are going to be people in the Christ-centered circle, if we're going to be in circle four, we're going to be inviting other people to church and telling other people about Jesus, and discipling other people. See, the, great, com the, the uh, um, uh, great Commission tells us, right, in Matthew 28, we're going to read it in just a second, but it tells us that, that, that we need to tell others, and we need to teach others. And if you're in the Christ-centered circle, you do that. That's what you do. So here's the question. The question is, uh, if you would say you're in that fourth circle, you're not in the third circle, you would tell people, hey, I'm, 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 I'm Christ-centered, I'm spiritually mature. The question is this, are you trusting God with your money? Who are you inviting to church? Who are you willing to tell about Jesus? And who are you discipling? Because that, that characterizes the fourth circle. At Redemption, we label this circle the spiritually mature circle, and we label the growing circle the spiritually maturing. Let me say this. Before I saw this, and before you saw this, I've had several conversations with you guys. And, and, and here's what I'm so proud of. Because smiling ear to ear, uh, Zig Ziglar, uh, this quote always comes to mind. He says, man, that boy is smiling so big he could eat a banana sideways. Um, and that's how I feel right now. Uh, smiling ear to ear. I've had conversations with several of you about this kind of stuff. And you've risen to the occasion. And you said, you know what? I, I, I don't want to stay in this circle without, we didn't have that language, right? But I don't want to stay in that circle. I, I want to move. I want to move to the next circle. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to that. Thank you for working toward that. And thank you for making, uh, you know, making those mature moves. Um, okay. So 
what I want you to do is pull out your Connect card. Uh, as you walked in, you got one of those. Uh, Britt, can we, get, can we get some extra Connect cards? If you don't have a Connect card and you need one, we want to get you a Connect card. If you're joining us online and you want to make a decision to, to move, uh, what I want you to do is uh, just DM us, okay? Um, if you want, you can be so bold and put it in the chat, but I would love for you to DM us. Um, and if, if you need a Connect card, go ahead and slip your hand up. Uh, make sure everybody has one. Okay, um, they're going to hand, hand those out. So here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to move today. That's it. I want you to move. And I want you to move because I believe that God wants you to move. And I want you to move because I believe at the end of the day, you want to move. I think that people, they, they come to church and they come back every single week and they wonder, is this it? Is this all for me? Do you, does, has anybody ever thought that before? Like, is this it? I, I, have, I have thought that before. I'm telling you, like on a weekly basis, sometimes for years on end, I have asked myself that question every Sunday. Is this all that Jesus has for me? Is this all we're going to do? If so, this might be a waste of my time and I might just go home. And my entire generation has had that question, and most of them have gone home, and they haven't returned. Because we haven't called them to the fourth circle, we've left them in the third circle, and we're okay with that. In generations, in churches, they squander it because there's too many people in the third circle and not enough people in the fourth circle. And God is calling us to the fourth circle. He's not calling you to the cul-de-sac of sitting in his love, grace, and blessing where it's safe for you and your family, and there's never anything to push you out, but he's calling you to the highway. Because you know what happened? When highways came into this country, all of a sudden, everything changed. The landscape of the country changed, and the things that were here could go over there. Highways opened up movement, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people that were in this state could receive goods and all these other things in another state. And God wants to take the goods of his love, grace, and blessing from the cul-de-sac of your life, and he wants to put it on the highway and get it into somebody else's life. And you have the opportunity today to move. You have the opportunity to move. So I want you to move. God wants you to move. And at the end of the day, I think you want to move. And so I invite you, if you're here with us in person or you're online, I invite you to move. To write on your Connect card, I want to move. And specifically, put on there, I want to move from this circle to this circle. If you're in the Explorer circle and you say, hey, you know what? I believe that I am a sinner and I need God's grace. And I need, I need the blood that came from his cross to cover me because I am a sinner who's in need of God's grace. I don't need to become a better person, but I'm dead and I need to become alive in Christ. If that's you, then go ahead and put on there. I, I, I want to move from the Explorer circle to the New Believer circle. If you're a new believer and you want to grow in your faith, next week, we're actually going to be having a class on discipleship before the, before the service, 45 minutes before. I'm, I'm leading it. And uh, listen, we're going to teach you how to disciple. Now, here's the deal. In that, in that class, whether you're the one that wants to be discipled or you're the one that wants to disciple, I invite both of you there, and we'll, we'll, we'll totally sort you out in the end. We'll have conversations. We'll figure out where you're at. But, but we want to talk to you and teach you how we want you to disciple other people. Okay? Band sitting down. They're like, he, he ain't stopping anytime soon. I love it. And uh, they were like, hey, we, we, we thought it was time, but he's on a roll. Okay, and, uh, and, and so next week, all right, so 45 minutes before, come. And, and, and we'd love to put you in the growing circle. And, and let me say this. If you're in the growing circle, it's not bad. Like, spend time in the growing circle. I, I spent time in diapers. Anybody else spend time in diapers? Yep. 
Yeah. I, I, I had other people clean me up. I had other people feed me. But there comes a time that it just gets really weird when you're wearing your diaper at the 50-yard line uh, trying to, to, to lead your team to victory. And um, I just don't know any quarterbacks that wear diapers. I don't. See, at the end of the day, we got to go from the growing circle. But if, if, if you just came to Christ and, and you need to be in the growing circle, I'm not, I'm not joking, stay there for a while. And when the Holy Spirit is calling you out, move. Move. Change your life. Okay, so if, if you're in the growing circle and you want to become Christ-centered, don't follow the Peter prognosis. Don't let your mouth do the talking before your head does the thinking. There was an entire group of people that said that they were in the fourth circle. But their life didn't show it. Jesus called them Pharisees. He didn't commend their life. He condemned it. So, when we follow Jesus, Matthew, these are the words of Jesus, and I'm done. Whew. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. John 13. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. These are the words of Christ. These are the words of Christ. And so, found people find people. And at Redemption, we will be found people who find people. So who are you inviting to church? Who are you telling about Jesus? And who are you discipling in the ways of Jesus? And are you trusting God with your money? Church, 2021 can be different than 2020. The deciding factor is you. Will you make it different?